This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. First day back from vacation. And just when the furor over the government's reported $10.5 million settlement with Omar Khadr has died down, he's back in the headlines. This week, he goes to court to ask that his bail conditions be eased, including allowing him unfettered contact with his controversial older sister, more freedom to move around Canada, and unrestricted internet access. His Ottawa-born sister, Zainab, became notorious after appearing in a 2004 documentary expressing support for al-Qaeda, yearning for her own, quote, martyrdom. She's been under investigation by the RCMP and uh, for a time was not allowed to have a Canadian passport because she reported hers lost too often. It's believed that she lives in Sudan with her fourth husband, and right now, Cotter can only see her with a lawyer or a bail officer present. But he wants to spend alone time with her when she comes to Canada, which he says she is planning to do. The other restrictions, of course, are intended to prevent contact with terrorists, other terrorists. So what do you think? Should the court ease these conditions? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Omar Cotter wanting his bail conditions eased, uh, certainly in time for a family reunion with his sister Zainab, and of course, who could forget that uh, incredible CBC documentary entitled Al-Qaeda Family, which showcased them back in 2004. Uh, But of course, it will be up to the court to decide. Right now, we go to Michael Crystal, who is an Ottawa-based lawyer with Spiterian Ursulak, and Ari Goldkind, a Toronto-based legal expert. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us, and welcome. Hey, great to be here. Pleasure. Good afternoon. Okay, Michael, let's start with you. Um, what do you think will happen with this application? Uh, well, as uh, as your, your listeners probably know, that uh, Justice Ross from the Queen's Bench in Alberta determined uh, back in 2015 that there should be a release in this case. And uh, she she felt that the uh, she did so because she felt that the appeal had merit and that he would surrender himself uh, when required to do so. And uh, it wasn't a case that was against the public interest. She made those principal findings, and now uh, the question is whether um, you know uh, it's been quite some time. Um, you know, whether there are circumstances that permit for a variation in these conditions. 
And uh, my personal view is if there can be shown a basis for varying the conditions, there's no reason why Mr. Cotter should not be successful. So, for example, he, has, he is now married. He is taking a nursing uh, course. Uh, he'll need his computer for that, uh, no doubt. Um, he, has, uh, he has not been a problem whatsoever. Uh, and, um, you know, he'll have to convince the court that there is a basis to, to alter these conditions. But if there is a basis, there's no reason why they should not be varied. Uh, Ari, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think uh, Michael puts it in a very elegant way. I mean, I look at it in two ways. This is a complete and massive failure by every single part of our government, including parts of the judiciary. This is a man who, you know, you cannot forget the history of who he is, where he comes from, the horrible and I think pitiful excuse that many have that he's a child soldier, with most people cannot even come close to defining that term. And the reason that ties into his bail is this. If you're going to say that he's a child soldier, in other words, that he was, and again, people are wrong on this, forced into doing this, the truth of the matter is, and he would tell you, is he was indoctrinated by his father up until the age of 15. So if you're indoctrinated through your childhood and teenage years into a philosophy and a belief that his sister shares, Mr. Cotter, I think, is clever enough to say he doesn't share it, the idea that he can meet with his sister unfettered, the idea that he can surf the Internet unfettered, to me, is morally wrong. Will he get the bail change? Absolutely, because that's what Canada is. Nobody stands up for the idea that maybe $10.5 million and our government and country bending over backward to accommodate him is wrong. But I'm in the minority on this, but that's my view. Uh, I I don't know that you're in the minority in that view, but, um, you know, I'm thinking that once the government uh, has decided to pay him and said that he was poorly treated, uh, doesn't that make these bail, doesn't it flow from there that that uh, it can't impose bail conditions. Michael? Absolutely. Look, I am not looking at the bail system as a sentence, you see. And I think that uh, the issues that Ari raises would have a bearing on a sentence. So, for example, let's say we're trying to vary his probation, which was a, a sentence that he was serving. This is about the Canadian system and the constitutional guarantee that all Canadians have to reasonable bail. Reasonable bail has two components, just cause, there has to be a cause for bail, and then the quantum of bail, the conditions of bail have to be reasonable. So given that we are talking about bail in this case, and given that there are material changes that that can be supported by the evidence. That's what the court has to consider. So, you know, this isn't, the courts are not the courts of popular opinion. There are courts of law, and there is law with regards to judicial interim release. Bail, in this case, it's bail pending appeal. So uh, I, I hear what Ari is saying and his absolute abject frustration with the way this case has unfolded, but he does agree at the end of the day that there likely to be a variation of bail because the courts will be basing their opinion 
or their decision on the law. And the law basically is that uh, if there are material changes, if there's an evidentiary basis, the conditions can be varied. One other thing I would say is, you know, the question of whether the settlement, um, the civil settlement, uh, has any play in the, um, uh, the variation of the bail conditions I don't think it does directly, but certainly indirectly. It certainly sets the table for a thinking that uh, there uh, the, that the uh, current uh, the current situation uh, ha- uh, may uh, may not need to continue. So that's the way I I would see it. But I I take a very you might say at the end of the day I I look at this from the perspective as a lawyer. I think the judges will apply the law as it is. And uh, they will disabuse their minds of uh, how they may feel about the politics behind this. Um, let me ask you this. Does it depend on, on what the Crown does? I mean, is, is, is it possible that the Crown will just say, sure, go ahead, we don't have an issue? Well, that's always a possibility. And don't forget um, that the Crown did appeal uh, Justice Ross's decision um, back in 2015 to the Court of Appeal. Yeah, that was under Court. a Harper government. Yeah. And uh, and was uh, was unsuccessful. Um, I suspect the the crown will vigorously oppose this because they're, uh, you know, the, the the certainly the appeal, while it may have merit, um, you know, inv- involves uh, you know very serious issue and uh, and would warrant uh, you know a serious sentence. So I have no doubt that the crown will uh, be opposing this. I think another thing that your listeners would want to know is that this has been continuing, you know, the you know, he has been on release conditions for a long time and it, he has no control over when this appeal is going to be heard. So, you know, you you start to ask yourself, you know, how long you know, if the system is sort of being indefinitely, if the, the hearing, the ultimate hearing, the appeal is being indefinitely postponed, uh, I mean, there should be a relaxation of the conditions because uh, this is something that Mr. Uh, Cotter uh, has no control over. And, and I just would like to add that uh, I understand uh, very clearly that many people, Many people, uh, many citizens in our country, uh, have a, a great deal of lack of sympathy and and maybe uh, you know to some extent uh, an antipathy towards Mr. Cotter. I understand that, but when we're talking about an individual before the co- courts where the law must be applied, we do have to disabuse our our minds as to the nature of that person and just make sure the law is applied appropriately given the circumstances. Well. Um... Yeah, uh, I'm sure that we're going to be hearing from our listeners uh, when we go to the phones on that. Uh, Ari, I want to take another tack on this. I have not been able now, as as I mentioned uh, in the introduction, there was a period of time where Zainab uh, could not, was not allowed to have a Canadian passport because she, and I put this in quotes, lost her passport too many times. I uh, can't make out from the documents that I've seen whether she now has a passport or whether she is in touch with officials uh, to get some kind of traveling document. So, Ari, uh, do you think it's a slam dunk that she gets into Canada? I think it is. I mean, I'm not an immigration lawyer, don't pretend or wish to be one, but if she's a Canadian citizen... And remember, you know, our fearless leader, Mr. Trudeau, is very open and outspoken about the fact that even if you're a terrorist, you're welcome here if you're a citizen. 
So at the end of the day, if she's a citizen and she's lost her documents and she gets them in order and she pays her passport fees, you know, she comes to Pearson Airport or the Ottawa Airport or the Vancouver Airport, I can't imagine a country with our political climate where radical Islamic terror isn't even taken that seriously that she would have any trouble returning and having a nice, private, hidden, face-to-face visit with her brother and reminiscing about the good old times with their father. Uh, I'm going to give the numbers out again and just ask the listeners to be a little patient because we want to set the scene before we take a few listeners' calls. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. We are talking about Omar Cotter. As we said, he is going to court this week to ask that his bail restrictions be eased. Right now, there are restrictions on where he can move about and how he can move about in the country. There are restrictions on his access to the Internet. As everyone knows, there's a lot of uh, radicalization and terrorist activity that happens on the Internet. And he wants unfettered access to his very controversial older sister's Zainab. Uh, She became notorious in a documentary where she supported Al-Qaeda, said she wanted to be a martyr. She was born in Ottawa. She is now reported to be uh, living in Sudan with her fourth husband. And uh, Omar Khadr says um, he's expecting a visit and he doesn't want to have a lawyer or a bail uh, representative present. He wants to see her alone and have a nice big family reunion. So, uh, listeners, we'd like to know what you think of that. Again, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm on the line with a couple of lawyers. We have Ari Goldkind. We have Michael Crystal and Ari, um, what do you think in terms of uh, political fallout from this? I know that's not a legal question. No, I mean I talk politics every day in my legal capacity. But let's just for listeners who want to call in or don't, let's just go back a step because as much as I agree with everything Michael said, this is how it's going to pan out. It doesn't mean that it's right. And the idea that the law is this independent creature, unfettered from politics and the political machinations of parliament and judges. Let's just look at last week. I'm sure every one of your listeners knows the story about the judge wearing the Trump hat and how much trouble he got into. And there's a link here, because I think most reasonable people would agree that if he was wearing a Hillary Clinton hat or a Hillary Clinton T-shirt, we would never have read about this. And in fact, there would have been a parade Oh, I disagree town. with oh, that. Come on, I, disag- I that, disagree that, with that. Know, Justice Abel did it as a joke, and and it's totally unacceptable. No, 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 no. Well, that's what's written on the hat. You not, know that's that. Not, that's not the point I made. The point I made was that if you don't think that the fact that he was wearing a Trump hat led to the 81 complaints from various groups, including people in the courtroom, versus if he was saying, I'm with Hillary. And if you think there would have been the same tone and tenor of vitriolic opposition to him and that he should be removed as a judge, then we should agree to disagree. My point about Mr. Cotter and why it links to politics is, of course, a judge is going to do that. But that's also because we live in a climate where a lot of people in power, because they don't want to be called a name, tiptoe, tiptoe very carefully 
around these issues because there's real blowback risk. So the law is not this independent thing from the mountaintop. It's done by humans. Politically, you may have some, because Libby, this was your question, you may have some on the conservative side. You may have some come out and talk about this, but they really had their talking points on the $10.5 million, which I thought was an egregious, offensive payment, contrary to the interests of every average hardworking Canadian, because just for your listeners to know Libby, that payment wasn't because he was innocent or guilty. It's because he wasn't treated well at Guantanamo and in jail. But nobody in the Supreme Court ever said, write him a check for $10.5 million, which is more than most wrongfully convicted or other people who are innocent of their charges ever get. So there is a huge political component to this. But even when Michael was talking about the Crown and the Crown may object, well, I can tell you that a lot of crowns would be very reluctant to oppose what Mr. Cotter is seeking in terms of the bail change because there are political ramifications to all of this. This is not cut and dry. This involves values, morals, and the idea of who we are as a country, particularly when we're bending over backward to accommodate Mr. Cotter and his sister, who is outspoken that she would like to see Canada blown up. Well, I, listen, I, I just want to get in for a moment. I'll tell you right now, I totally disagree with that position. This is a decision before the courts. And I can tell you, I, I have worked with senators when new legislation comes through. I worked on assisted dying. I, I, I worked on the transgender uh, legislation as a lawyer working with senators. I can tell you right now, we keep our peas and carrots and potatoes separate. There is a process. There is the law. Judges apply the law. The biggest job a judge has is to disabuse the political swirl that accommodates these decisions. So far in this case, you can read Justice Ross's decision, which was upheld by the Court of Appeal. She went through all the relevant legislation in Canada and all her agreements with the United States. She looked at the facts. Now, if you want to have one court for bad guys and one court for good guys, or you want to uh, import into our criminal uh, process uh, politics, that's when everything becomes arbitrary. And all I would say, what I'm fighting for is I'm saying we have a system. We just have to look to the south to see the crap that is going on in that government and how it is trying to influence the courts and how in in Hawaii and in Virginia judges are standing up standing up for the rule of law and I'll tell you right okay, now okay okay wait a minute okay, okay, a right bit. now okay. in this country we do <laughs> not have to look askance because our system works and it applies the law to the facts okay and, wait wait uh, uh, I This is a great conversation, which we are going to continue, but we do have to take a break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have been having a very lively discussion between uh, our lawyers, Ari Goldkind and Michael Crystal. Uh, but right now, let's go to the phones and let's hear from our listeners before we get back to that. We've got Joey in Mississauga. Hey, Joey. Hey. How are you? Not bad. How are you? Fine, thanks. Good. No, uh, I'm sorry. No more rights for this Omar Carter. He's gotten enough from us. Uh, him being a terrorist and making us look like fools, receiving that $10.5 million. 
my American cousins are very, very upset about this. Mm-hmm. You know what they're calling Canada now, the Americans? Canistan. Get it? Uh, yeah, well, um, th- they have a lot of problems of their own. So what do you think about this application for uh, bail easement? No, he gets nothing. He gets no more bail, nothing. He, he should just stay home as a good boy. No more computers. No more talking to his uh, buddies. Nothing. His sister's a terrorist. She hates us. She says she wants to blow us up. No way. Okay, Joey, thanks for that. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, we've got uh, Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill. Hey, Libby. Uh, What do you think? Well, you know, I love the Liberal government. Kretchen got his father out of a jail in Pakistan so he could return to the battlefield to fight against us. Then Martin, Paul Martin, the Liberal Prime Minister, stopped Abdullah, the brother, for being uh, uh, extricated or whatever to the United States to face criminal charges. So they protected him there. And now Trudeau gives this clown $10 million. The brother, the, the, the one that got crippled, comes back here, no doubt living on welfare, to get the best medical care free of charge in the world. How much does a, this country owe that damn family? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I gather that means you don't think there should be a change. So you know what? I'll tell you one thing. It, 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 it's, it's, a, it's not culture. It's a religious thing, and the liberals will chase this vote. That's all they're worried about is the vote. It's disgusting the amount of money this, this family has cost Canada. When decent people born in this country you know, are retiring and, and getting, uh, living on nothing. Okay, thanks for your call, Bill. Let's, let's go to Alex in Brampton. Hello, Alex. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. Right. Well, from listening to uh, what the lawyers were saying, uh, it's pretty obvious to me that uh, the current law is an ass and must be changed. Mm -hmm. It it seems to me that the problem that we had interpreting the law, first of all, with respect to child, the law must define uh, in greater terms as to what we consider a child here we had a 15-year-old indoctrinated or brainwashed or whatever you want to say, and he could have been one day okay, got it. before uh, 16. And, uh, you know, we don't treat him like an adult. He should be brought in court as an adult. Now, the $10 million or 10 and a half was paid for his mistreatment by the Americans in Guantanamo base. But we didn't seem to... Uh, put very much emphasis on the fact that we had video of him uh, making these uh, improvised explosive devices. There was nothing to indicate that on any prior excursions he may have been in the heat of battle and probably uh, with our allies. To me, he should have been tried and currently tried for treason. I can't imagine anybody indicating that you, you can go out, do battle, and come back here and uh, not be tried for treason. Okay. The other thing is about... Okay, we're going to... Okay, Alex, thanks very much for your call. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. All right, uh, we will take uh, one more here. We've got Steve in Toronto. Hi, Steve. Well, hi, Libby. Yep. Yeah, I'd like to see... um, I'd like to see the courts give Carter everything. Give it all to him, everything that he wants have it all blow up in Trudeau's face and then see how what this kid's really made of. See it all backfire. 
get rid of this moron in Ottawa and show the liberal left what this kid's made of and what they're voting for. Okay, that's uh, that's one thought. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Okay, uh, let's get back to our uh, lawyers for a moment. So there, I mean, uh, the callers obviously see this as a political issue. And uh, Michael, uh, you were making the point that the law and the politics of it are very separate. Ari disagrees with that. Um, Michael, one thing I want to get back to, you seemed very certain that the Crown would oppose the easing of these bail conditions. Uh, personally, I'm not that certain. What What makes you believe that well i listen um there is a um inherent uh danger uh, and um you know mr cotter uh going back with these loosening uh, loosened conditions of him going back to being involved in activity um you know uh, everything that's been said uh, is not without merit. I mean, there has to be a public... Look, the courts are concerned about the safety of the public in any bail situation, whether you're dealing with a, someone charged with murder or someone charged with uh, someone who has uh, terrorism uh, matters across the border. Because remember, that's where the, the court is in this case. And, and there are, you know, the concern of the, the, the Canadian public is paramount in the minds of any judges. So all I'm saying... And I, I'd like your listeners to understand this, and, and I think they do. I'm saying he should have a hearing in a courtroom on the merits of his case where his counsel, Mr. Edney, and the Crown basically hash out the various issues that the court has to consider, consider in coming to a conclusion. I'm arguing for an independent process. I'm arguing for a court that doesn't import into it the politics of the day. Because while it may be terrorism today, it could be sexism, it could be racism, it could be anything. And that's why we look to our courts to disabuse itself, to keep itself out of the politics of the day and focus on the law. And I'll tell you right now, I don't think it's a cakewalk to get rid of all these uh, conditions. No one is immune to the history. So I think your callers know, and your listeners know, Cotter is submitting himself to a, pro- to a process where there will be counsel arguing both sides and a judge looking at all the facts and applying the law. And paramount in the law will be the protection of the Canadian public. Nobody's getting a get-out-of-jail card, free card here, it's, it, but it's not a sentencing hearing. Okay. It's about uh, release. Okay, let uh, Ari respond. Ari, I've, I've uh, been talking to a number of analysts, and basically, um, uh, whether they like it or not, they, they think actually that it might be a cakewalk and that the Crown simply might just not object. What do you think? Oh, I, I agree with that completely. I think there's huge risks in the Crown. There's a word these days that's in vogue that nobody wants to be called. Uh, I think the Crown, if they oppose it, and I can tell you, I do this every day, there are, you know, there is digging in your heels and putting up the fight of your life as if somebody's a murderer and if they get out, you know they're going to kill. And then there's just opposing in a very gentle, benign way. But to me, I think these bail conditions are going to be changed. 
I do not believe. I think everything Michael said in the last part, I completely agree with him. You always want a fair hearing. But the idea that politics and the mood of the day don't come into a courtroom or a hearing, particularly when one of the grounds in the criminal code, it very clearly talks about a reasonable, well-informed member of the public. Politics matter, particularly when a story has a political bent to it such as this. If we don't think that the $10.5 million payment was as the result of a lawsuit, don't forget, it's not like the government just said, well, we want to write a check for $10.5 million, but ignore all the veterans who actually go to war to help us, who are homeless and penniless. It was the result of a lawsuit. So to me, bottom line, I think he's likely to have these changes. I think a judge is likely to grant them because there won't be a standard of proof that he's a ticking time bomb, pun intended. But the question, Libby, that I leave it, <laughs> That's that not I leave funny. it as, the question that I leave it as is, you know, is it right? Is it right that somebody who wasn't a child soldier, and I believe in reading long forms. There's a great New York Times article, Libby, people could Google right now about what a child soldier is and isn't. It isn't about a boy growing up with a father who says, this is the way it be. It's people who are robbed from their families, macheted, abused, cut, forced uh, to do things. So at the end of the day, to have somebody like that sitting in a room by with his sister, using the internet to look at whatever he wants, and traveling around Canada unfettered, to me it's a simple question of right and wrong. And to me, it is wrong. Okay, let's uh, let's uh, try to uh, fit in uh, some callers here. Hang on, guys. We've got Bob in Etobicoke. Hello, Bob. Hello, how are you? Fine, how are yeah. you? What what upsets me about this is that government doesn't seem to pay attention to the general will of the general public. This, no matter what, whether it was right or is wrong, if it was against Constitution, whatever, he should have never got the money and he should never get out of these bail conditions. Right or wrong, I don't care. The public, if the public has a vote on it, they would execute them. And that is the case because the, the government of Canada and certain lawyers, they make money. Now you can see that the American government is going to sue Canada for the $10.5 million and they are going to get it. Well, it's, it's so, not the American government. It's lawyers no, for the widow. Say, the American government is suing on behalf of the woman. And she will get the $10.5 million, And the lawyers will be paid. So in the end, this is costing the Canadian people myself included, a minimum of $25 million, and it's for something, you know, like, that we hate. We absolutely hate what is happening, and unfortunately, some people don't see that there's a responsibility of the, the elected officials. Unfortunately, the elected officials, really, some of them, or most of them, don't have any say in this either, just like I, just like you. Okay. But, Okay, Bob. That's my view. Okay, okay. Bob. Okay, bye. Actually, we have no idea how much money is involved here. That's it's the fact. This twenty five million at the end of the day. And well, will we d- will do the calculation. We really don't. Yeah. Bob, thanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The fact is, we have no idea that ten and a half million is reported. We just don't know. Okay, uh, let us take one more. We've got Jim in Toronto. Hi. Good Hi. afternoon. I'm, you know. I, when you're debating something like this, this shows you that we have dumbed down our society. You think about you go back on some of the points. We are talking about letting this criminal 
uh, Kader, and see his sister, who is sounds like she's crazy, and he's got $10 million out. Before he was a terrorist, he didn't have any money. Now he's got $10 million thanks to Canada. So we are actually on your great show, Libby, and you have great topics, but think about it. We have come down to this where we're actually debating. You've got two intelligent uh, people on there debating this, and that's where we have come. Uh, it, it is, you know, regardless of, uh, of uh, the belief system or whatever, we are now talking about uh, 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 an issue that, should, you know, 20 years ago, nobody would be talking about this. They'd be laughing at this. But this is the course of this is the left wing, the alt left babble that your, your guests are crystal. Uh, it, you know, it's spewing, and 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 this is. Oh, I, I don't. I, that's not. That's that's oh, not yes, fair. And, He's and, talking and, yes, about the true. law. Yes, it is true. That's one of the reasons why we're talking about it. He's 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 part of the people that believe in this. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna let him respond to that. Thanks, Jim. I I don't think that's a fair comment, Michael. Well, we're gonna. To, I'd say to Jim. Yeah. I'd say to Jim, I am a lawyer. Yeah. And I am very proud to be part of our Canadian justice system. I think it's the best system in the world. I really do. And, you know, the politics of the day will shift. And there, there will be many contentious issues. And it is during these times and these cases that the system is put to the test. And, Jim, I can tell you right now, I'm not a member of the alt-left. I am pretty middle of the road. But I will tell you another thing. I don't care what your politics are. I don't care what my politics are. I want a court that works, that is divorced from the politics of the day, that looks at the evidence in a fair way, that where judges aren't biased. And there'll be a day when your politics may be put on trial, Some, something you feel is absolutely right. And uh, you will look at that, and you will want a certain result, the opposite of what you're arguing now. And uh, you will be, I guess, disappointed in the courts if they go the other way then. But my point is, I just want fairness. I, want a, I, want, I don't want a political court. If you look back in history, there are many times when dictatorships took over, uh, and courts became political, and there were show trials, and the result was a foregone conclusion. We don't have that in our country. We know that our judges are just looking at the law as it is and applying it to the facts. Does politics seep in? Absolutely. But not to the point that it figures in any way in the process. I spent, I've, I've been a lawyer for 25 years. My, I live in the courts. I've been there every day. And I can tell you right now, we have a court system we should be very proud of. I, sh- I know you're very frustrated with this Carter thing. I don't take a political position on Carter. I'm not interested in it. I'm interested as a lawyer in making sure the process is fair and that it works, and it is the gold standard. So you can go home tonight, no matter how angry you are at the politicians, and you have every right to be, but you can go home tonight and know that you look at a uh, look at the globe look at look at a globe look at a map of the world there is not one country in this in this world that has a system any better than the one that you reside in okay let's uh let's let ari jump in here yeah libby i was actually just listening to the caller and i want to respond to him directly and to everything that michael just said and once again I never have a problem disagreeing with people agreeably, but I agree with everything Michael said. He gets hot about it, and I get hot about what I feel passionate about. But he's absolutely right, but I want to take why he's right in a different direction. 
and to actually go after the caller who we would theoretically be supporting my position, which is this. Michael and I agree now that politics seeps in, but we do have the best system, I think, in the world where judges are aware of that, and they bend over backwards, I think the good judges do particularly, to specifically nail that down. And here's a point I want to make, Libby, and I'm sure this is familiar to you. The danger of your caller, and I don't mean him personally, but about when everybody's hot and bothered about something, that that should somehow permeate what judges or juries do, is actually extremely dangerous. It's dangerous in parts of the world that none of us would ever even want to travel to. And here's a point I'd make from a big case last week. Sexual assault is a big, big issue in the courts. And last week, three Toronto cops were acquitted. And the judge in that case, who's one of the finest judges in Canada, said, I only deal with the evidence in front of me. I'm only concerned with proof beyond a reasonable doubt. I'm not concerned with the massive public outcry of hashtags. She said this right in her decision, where everybody believes that once a sexual charge is laid out, the complainant must be telling the truth and the trial's a formality. I want evidence and I want proof and I don't care who doesn't like it. So to your caller, I don't think Michael could have put it any better, which is when we talk about hysteria or people getting overly bent out of shape, that's dangerous. That's why we have politicians. But to the courts, I think at the end of the day, while politics does seep in, and we agree on that, Mm -hmm. we certainly have judges that I say are live to it, because unlike the, I think, hilarious, ridiculous way they appoint judges in the states where, you know, if you're Trump, you appoint the most right wing. If you're Hillary, well, she'd probably do the right thing, but you'd probably appoint somebody left where their decisions are pre-known and predestined. And, and they, Here, they run for attorney better. general. It's so an elected point, job. That's why I was putting it gently, which is here, we don't have our heads up our posteriors where a judge's politics, theoretically, I could, we're not going to have a longer segment on this, Libby, where we could flesh out the differences in appointments, but here, I think Michael is quite right that we know where the rubber meets the road now. Hopefully it stays that way because there's a lot of pressure on judges now, including with bills coming up, to be more succumb to political pressure. But your caller should really heed what Michael said, because one day the unpopularity could affect him if he was an accused person and the political or anti-social media world was against him. Okay, you know, it's it's uh, interesting. I, I didn't really think that, that the two of you were going to agree, but uh, that's probably uh, a, uh, a reasonable point to uh, wrap up this segment. We're moving to another segment, uh, which is on a rather a related topic, and that's the increase in hate crimes. Um, so um, thank you very much, Ari Goldkind, Michael Crystal. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.